0: We just want to say thank you and for all those here this, uh, t- this morning that may have lost a loved one um, in, a, in a war. Uh, protecting our freedoms, we want to say thank you for that and honor you this morning. And, and it's so important that, that we remember things like this. You know, there's a lot of spiritual things we can come up with when we talk about remembrance. And this morning there's a, a very significant memorial application in the word and we've done that this morning in our praise and worship what we're really doing is that we are memorializing jesus christ we are going to him and we're saying we don't forget why we're here we don't forget what we're to be doing we're recognizing who you are Christ. We are recognizing who you are, God our Father, who you are, Holy Spirit, in our lives. And we're worshiping you and we're saying thank you for being a part of our life. And not just a part of our life, but as the name of our church says, you are the center point of our life. Clearly, if Christ is your Savior, he becomes your center point, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Can can Christ really be your Savior if he's not your center point? Or does something else become what you place your trust and your hope in. So this morning we clearly have a lot to honor this morning as Christians and and I want to talk about that a little bit this morning and and I want to talk about who and what we should be honoring this morning. Number 1, obviously we should we should honor Christ. That's an obvious person to honor because of what he did for us and 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 not just that 33 years that he spent on earth, but if we can fully recognize that What he gave up for us was eternity, because he will never be the same. When we get there, when we finally see Jesus face to face, we're going to be like Thomas, that we're going to say, show us your hand, show us the side, show us the nail scars in your feet, and he'll be able to show us that, because he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now, isn't that worth honoring Isn't that worth getting on our face before Him on a regular basis? Every day, not just on Sunday mornings when we take a half an hour to praise and worship, but I mean every day, we should be on our face before God sometime throughout the day saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You are the Creator, and yet you chose to come and save your creation. What an ultimate, what an honoring thing to do. And we can remember Christ and we can honor Him in a multiplicity of ways through living our life righteously before Him. Living your life righteously is a way to show Him honor. Right? Think about it. If you don't live your life righteously, are you honoring Christ? Or are you kicking gravestones at Him? In all reality, you know, it's kind of silly, isn't it? If we think that we can fool God if we can say, you are my Savior, but yet I live my life the way I want to live my life, isn't that kind of silly to think that we can do that and God doesn't see that? But yet, don't we do that so much? Don't we do that so many times? See, I, I, I just feel such an urgency and a call in my heart that, that we, need to be, we need to learn to be honest with ourselves. We need to learn to be honest. And that who are we really honoring by the way we live? What's the evidence in your life that you love Jesus? What's the evidence? If somebody called you in a court of law today and said, what did you do this week that would be evidence that you love Jesus, what would it be? What would it be? That's a good question. See, and I don't want to come across insensitive and and assuming a a a whole lot this morning, but I look at the American church today. I look at the, for those that call themselves Christians and I look at a country that calls themselves calls ourself a Christian country and I say, where's the evidence? And I don't see the evidence in mainstream life today. When our president will call and congratulate an NBA star for coming out to be homosexual. What's the evidence there? Where's the evidence in our abortion rates today? Where's the evidence in our divorce rates today? I don't see evidence that we're honoring Christ. I don't see evidence that we're loving Him. I don't see evidence that we're really giving Him a good honoring as remembrance. And so for us today here personally, the challenge that I have for all of us is, what is your evidence? What is my evidence? It's not what I don't do it's what I do. It's what I do. See, because if I want Christ to come back and tell me someday, well done, thou good and faithful, what he's saying is not well thought out, not well intentioned, not well, oh, I, I, I hear what you wanted to do. He says, well done, thou good and faithful. He is looking for evidence. Evidence first comes from within the heart, and then it comes out from my outward action. Jesus made it pretty clear in John chapter 14 verse 23 and 24 he said his proof that a person loves him is that they obey him. Jesus replied, "Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching." But then he gives the authority of the scripture. "These words you hear are not my own." they belong to the father who sent me. See, so either you can take a look at it from Christ's perspective as being God that has the authority to speak these words, or you can take it from the son of man's perspective that says I only do what my father in heaven says. So either way, Christ is stating the fact that if you love me, you obey me. Another way for honor that we can honor Christ today is when we have communion on a regular basis and maybe you haven't really thought about it but i want to read the scriptures that we normally read when we have communion in first corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26 it says it this way for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in what in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, there's the word. We're instructed to remember him for the sacrifice that he made for us. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, there is a day coming that our remembrance will all be worth it for. There's a day coming. We talked about it in the Sunday school today, about the blessed hope and the millennial reign. We talked about the day that's coming. And whatever you're going through today, if you remember who Christ is, if you are remembering to put Him on the throne of your life, if you're remembering to put Him at the center point of your life, it will all be worth it. Amen. It's worth honoring Christ. We also honor and remember some other things in our, in our lives. For, for those of us that have a spiritual history and a spiritual heritage, we, we, we remember our, our family upbringing. Uh, the praying mothers, grandmothers, fathers, those that have gone before us, that, that generational heritage that we have. We need to be thankful for that. We need to be thankful that we had parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that loved us and nurtured us and trained us and brought us up with a background that gives us a firm foundation. What better heritage can we have, really, than to have godly parents, godly grandparents that have given us that that foundation? Paul told timothy that he needed to be thankful for that in second timothy chapter one verse five he says i'm reminded of your sincere faith timothy which first lived in your grandmother lois lois and in your mother eunice what's your mother's name lois not eunice i don't think well close enough and i'm persuaded now also lives in you You know, so there it is. Paul was telling Timothy, be thankful, Timothy, from your roots. Be thankful for the upbringing that you have. Be thankful for that. We need to honor our parents this morning and those that have given us that. There's other people. Maybe we've had other significant people in our lives. Our pastors, our Sunday school teachers, other significant godly influences. We can think back and and, and think about them and say thank you. Thank you, previous pastors. Thank you, previous Sunday school teachers. Thank you, previous coaches, teachers, employers, you name it. Anybody that's been in your life that has been a significant Christian influence for you, you need to honor them and thank them for that. And there's many people that have given us a a different level of influence possibly that have helped shape you into the person that you're becoming today. Not that you are today, but what you're becoming today. Because we're all a work in process, aren't we? We're all still making progress. So every day we're achieving more and more and more for the glory of Christ. And then there are those events that in our life that we need to be thankful for. We've had some significant events. I'm sure you can all go back and look in your life to some events that have been influential in your Christian life. And there's been good events. And there's been bad events but you know when Christ works together in us they all work for the glory of Christ for those that love the Lord everything all things that Christ works out for our benefit even the bad things and I think I think we need to go back sometimes and and recognize that how important the hard things were and maybe are in our character building our character I, I, I heard a a Uh, radio preachers say this week that it's never in God's will for a person to run from a difficult situation. It's never in God's will for a person to run from a difficult situation. It's not that we're to Enjoy the difficult situation, but we are to walk through the difficult situation. We're to process it. We're to allow God to do what He has to do in that difficult situation. Because if you run from that difficult situation, you might think that you've outrun it. But God will just bring it up again in a different situation to still want you to go through it because He wants to refine you like gold. He wants to put you through that the, the pressure test of life. Not because he likes to see people squirm and because he wants to inflict pain. No. But he knows that that builds character and character produces um, other godly principles and the fruit of the Spirit and all the things that come out of that. And there's many, many Scripture verses that you can go back to. I'm just sparing you this morning from all of them. But there's a bunch of them you can go back to that would prove out that godly character is built through adversity. And we don't want to run from it. We just ask God to deliver us through it. Not deliver us from it, but deliver us through it so that we can have godly character more and more evident in our life so that our evidence is clearly that I'm a maturing man or a woman in Christ. That I'm maturing daily in Christ. And I the way I can handle adversity today is a clear indication that the Holy Spirit is working in me today so that I can learn to forgive. I can learn to move on. I can learn to allow people to be people and not have to feel like I have to control the person or the situation. The writer of Hebrews gives us a reminder that godly discipline is a good thing for us. Godly, hear me, Godly discipline, not just godly blessings, but godly discipline is a good thing for us. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters, daughters at all. Moreover, we have, we have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. I am thankful for God's discipline in my life. I'm thankful for those times that I've gone through hard times. I'm thankful for the times that are coming yet because it proves to me that God loves me. And it also proves to me that I'm effective in the kingdom because the devil also will want to bring more problems in my life. For a person that is somewhat asleep, maybe at the wheel, and maybe maybe even you're on your way to heaven, but you're really not doing much to bring anybody with you. The old adage is, don't kick a sleeping dog. If you don't want to get bitten by the dog, don't kick him. Let him sleep, right? So maybe sometimes in our life, maybe, and I'm just letting you think about it. I'm not putting any proclamations out here, but just maybe, just maybe, if life is really good for you and you've never been through a struggle, really been through a struggle, Go back and examine your life. And then ask yourself, where's my evidence that I'm really living a Christian life? See, I think the devil's pretty smart. And I think he's pretty strategic. And I think he knows numbers. And I think he would rather let one man sneak into heaven by the skin of his teeth, maybe even if the Bible says losing all of his blessings but still getting in, escaping through the fire, but bringing nothing with him. And the devil might say, I can handle that. I'll let him go. Because if I wake him up, if I put persecution in his life, if I challenge that man, if I wake him up to the things of Christ, what he might do is get on fire for Jesus, and he might bring other people into the kingdom with him, and I don't want that. So I'm just asking. I'm just bringing it up for your own thought and evaluation. In your life, examine yourself and say, Wow, what's happening here? If I am going through a lot of turmoil and persecution, does that mean that God's not blessing me? Does does God bless those He loves? Or does God discipline those He loves? The answer is yes to both. Yes, He blesses those He loves, and He disciplines those He loves, and He allows things to come into our life that would bring us a challenge, it would bring us a wake-up call. Whereas the enemy will do neither. (laughs) The enemy will let us sleep ourselves all the way to a low-level eternity or non-eternity. The devil is not going to wake you up, just so you know that. He's not going to bother you unless you're effectively working in the kingdom of God. Sometimes those that are working the hardest have the most persecution. Sometimes those that are doing the most for Christ are the ones that are getting hit the hardest on a regular basis because the devil knows that if I can knock that person out of his saddle, I can destroy his witness over here. Amen? It's it's important that we honor our past. It's important that we honor our remembrance, but it's also important that we don't stay there too long. We can't live in the past. It's important that we understand how it has impacted us and how it's shaped us and how it's continued to shape us. But we have to be careful that we don't let the past become our idols. You know, there was a good example of that in the the Old Testament when Moses finally delivered the Israelites to the Promised Land. Finally got there after 40 years of wandering in the desert. And it was time for Moses to die. Do you know that God never allowed Moses to be buried where anybody would know where his body was? God said, I'm going to take his body and I'll take care of it. Why do you think that happened? Why? I think some of the reason is because people will have a tendency to memorialize things they can see. And so they would have a tendency maybe to um, honor Moses more than honor God if they could have had a memorial set up for Moses' burial. So God said, you know what? I'm going to take that temptation away from you. I'm just going to remove it. I'm not going to allow you to live in your past because of all the things that Moses did. What was more important is that they lived by the words that Moses said because he was an oracle of God. And those words give life. You read and you listen and you live by the words of Moses, the Ten Commandments and all the other biblical writings that Moses wrote, and those are life-giving words. But if you were to go back to his graveside, that's death. You know, that's why I don't really like cemeteries. I I think it's nice that we honor, but you know, there's nobody there. (laughs) There's nobody home there. That's just a shell or what's left of the person. We need to honor what they did, the words they spoke, the actions that they, that they did, the things that they did while they were alive, not necessarily go back and honor the dead for the dead's sake. So we need to look ahead. Our future condition, we need to know what it is to look ahead. And, and as we look to the future in respect of the past, We recognize that that we have come through some spiritual warfares and recognize that you're going to go through some more. It's very clear that God's Word is setting us us up for warfare and so that we can be victorious in the warfare. And it's important that we realize that, that this warfare that we're being set up for is not just physical, but it's spiritual. It's much more important. It's much more serious, in fact, than physical warfare. Physical warfare, I can lose my body and still save my soul. But spiritual warfare, I'm, I'm, bad, I'm, I'm risking eternal life here. I'm risking heaven and hell. Spiritual warfare is so much more important. And we're given the tools, by the way. And we're given the opportunity to put on the tools. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about this. It says, beginning in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, and this is the key thing here, this is so important, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, I have a tendency to battle what I see. So if I have a problem, my problem becomes more with people, or money, or jobs, or other types of physical security. What Jesus is saying here, or what the, what the Word is telling us here, is that our battle is not with what we see. It's not flesh. It's not blood. It's not what we see. It's spiritual in nature. And, and I know that we have a tendency. I know people have even told me, you over-spiritualize too much. I've been criticized for that. But, you know, when I take a look at life in general and I look at it and say, I don't know if I can over-spiritualize too much. I don't know that I can really give too much to the spiritual world around me because when we realize it, what we don't see right now, there are angels around us. There are hosts of angels around us, and not just angels, but there's demons around us. Understand that too. They're in this church. And they're in the church because they were in the temple. And you, you go you read scriptures and you'll know that the devil went to temple. The devil went to heaven. He accused Job in heaven. So let's not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. Let's not be ignorant of the reality of the spiritual world around us and know that even though we don't see it, it's more lasting than what I see. Everything I see is going to fade away. Everything I see is going to burn. Everything I see is going to evaporate and go away. But what I don't see today lasts forever. And in reality, it's more real than what I see. So therefore, when I struggle and when I understand I'm going through problems, understand don't put it on people. Don't put it on situations. Get on your face before the Lord and pray. Pray, pray, pray. Develop the relationship that we need to have with Jesus so that He gives us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to be powerful against the weapons that come against us. Because they're spiritual in nature. So what's our future role in this battle? Well, for those that here this morning that have a spiritual heritage, understand that's a good beginning. But I know there are those here as well that do not have a spiritual heritage. So where does that leave you? It leaves you right in the sweet spot. Because today you can begin that generational blessing in your home. You can decide today that all that happened in the past that was in the negative, maybe abusive, maybe all the lies, the cheating, the, you know, the people that let you down repeatedly over and over, maybe it was parents, maybe it was friends, maybe it was all kinds of stuff. Here's the deal. The devil wants you to remember that. The devil wants to keep that on the forefront of your mind. But that's not what Christ wants you to think of. He comes in and he cleans all that up. And he says today you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can have a renewed mind and a renewed spirit. And you can move on today in the future of being the generational blessing that maybe somebody else already is for you if you have a spiritual heritage. So we all have a choice today. Whether you have a spiritual heritage or not. See, if I, I have a spiritual heritage. And I thank God for that. I have grandparents and moms and dads that have led me in the right, in the right path. And I have, a, I have a generational blessing. But I still have a choice because I can choose to walk in it or I can choose to let it go. Right? I can choose to pick it up and wear that mantle of blessing so I can pass it on to my kids or I can choose to... Let it go. And for those here this morning that don't have it, that generational blessing, understand you can be the beginning. You can be the new start. You can be the one that they're going to rise up and call you blessed. They're going to say, I had a grandpa. I had a dad. I had a mom, a grandmother. I had, I had that generational person that started it back in 2013, and I'm so thankful that they did. Now, wouldn't you want, don't you want your kids to remember you for that? Or do you want to be the do you want to be the one that had the generational blessing and you weren't the one that passed it on because you let it go? Do you want to be the beginning? Do you want to be the starter or do you want to be the carrier? See, the choice is all ours. You know, we see a really good example in the life of Elijah and Elisha, and how the significance of spiritual heritage can be passed down from generations. Now Elijah and Elisha were not blood, but in many ways Elijah was the spiritual father of Elisha. Second Kings chapter two verses eight beginning at verse eight it says Elijah took his cloak. Now Elijah, let me back up Elijah had lived a holy life. He was a great prophet. Elisha was the anointed one to follow Elijah. Right? This is the day that Elijah was being taken to heaven. Elijah did not die. Elijah was taken up into heaven. And Elisha wants the blessing. He wants the blessing of Elijah before he goes to heaven. And so this is the story. This is how it happened. And we can learn something from this. So let's read this through. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left... And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. See, we always think that the water splitting was only Moses. But Elijah crossed over a river on dry ground. And he's not the only one. We're going to see in a minute. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. When he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Here's a great example of spiritual blessing, spiritual heritage being passed down from one man to another, and it 's important the significance here is if you go back up and, and when Elijah he said he took hold of of his garment or he took his own garment and he tore Elijah tore his shirt off, basically all right, indicating that basically what he was doing by that he was taking off his his old self, ripped it off, ripped off his his self, and he bent down and he picked up elijah's. picked up Elijah's shirt, and he put Elijah's shirt on, meaning he picked up the blessing of Elijah. And with that, then, he carried Elijah's anointing. And when he went back over, he also split the water because if he had the blessing of Elijah. See, we we may not be experiencing that type of evidence in our lives today. I have not split Lake Charlevoix. I don't know of anybody that has. But rest assured, though, that there are blessings of God and there are real generational blessings still being imparted if both parties are willingly doing their part. See, Elijah had to give and Elijah had to receive. Dads, moms, we are the Elijahs in the world today. Are you giving your, parent, your, your children, are you doing what you need to do, parents, so that you can bless your children with inheritances? And children, are you willing to receive and pick up from your parents? See, it's a two-way street. You can't have one without the other. They both work together. It's important that we know also that God has a time of remembrance. God is going to have a time of remembrance too. We've been talking about our remembrance of God to this point. But I want to take you to a scripture right now that will show you how important it is that we recognize that God also has a time of remembrance towards us. Open up your Bible or look on the screen to Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 and 18 through 18. And I know here that there are a lot of times people will look at life and they'll say, why do some people have all this blessing and why don't I? And why all the whys in life, all the problems... But here, listen to this. This will help all of us here this morning. It says, You have spoken arrogant, arrogantly against me, says the Lord, yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out His requirements and going about like mourners before the Almighty God? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord, those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Here it is, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, Mighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You see, we might think, or there are those that might think they're getting away with something here on earth if they're not living a righteous life. They might think so because they don't see the mighty hand of God right now. But a scroll of remembrance was written. A scroll of remembrance is being written right now in your life. What you are doing, what you are saying, what you are attempting to do, what you're not doing is all going to be recorded. The remembrance goes both ways, folks. So how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? I, does anybody watch the, the show The Voice? Okay. Did you watch it uh, last week when Blake Shelton's one of the girls on, on, on his team, sang to God be the glory. All right. It was awesome. She sang a national audience. No, how great thou art. How great thou art. Jack Thornton. Who knows Jack Thornton? <laughs> Stacy does. Yeah. If anybody knows Jack Thornton, you know that was his song. How great thou art. Well, this girl sung it on national TV and in front of millions of people. And it was awesome. I mean, yeah, well, you could tell. Because she worshipped. I mean, she was raising her hands, not just raising hands like, like performers do, but she was worshipping on a national stage. And I sat there, because I had recorded it and watched it later, I sat there all by myself, because nobody's there, and I was crying, man. I, it just broke me down. It, it impacted me because it was real. All right, the judges came and they looked at it and they gave her a nice, good job. And then the next singer came up and, and she used to be a backup singer to Michael Jackson. And she sang one of his songs as a memorial to Michael Jackson. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Michael Jackson. I mean, I liked some of his music. I did. I didn't like what he stood for. But whatever rhythm I had, he got it out of me. And I don't have a lot of rhythm. But whatever I had, he got it out of me. So, I, so I'm not against Michael Jackson. But, but here's the thing. She sang a song, and she did a great job, and the judges gave her all kinds of accolades. I mean, they really promoted her. They really promoted Michael Jackson. Now, let me ask you the question. Which of those two songs are going to be remembered in history? Which of those two songs are going to go down in eternity? Because I would think that the song this lady sang about how great our art is going to be replayed in heaven for her because she's going to be able to say, I stood in front of a million people, millions of people, and I boldly proclaimed, how great thou art. That's remembrance. That's living for what it's it's about. It's a great reminder for us today how we are to live our life as a memorial to something. What is your epitaph going to say? What is your epitaph going to be on your stone? I want to end this morning by listening to a song and watching this video by Ray Bolts, I'm sure you've all heard the song. It's an older song called Thank You. And I think this kind of puts it all together. It kind of epitomizes the way we should live our life so that we'll have somebody at some point in time saying thank you. Thank you. Would you stand with me? It's, let's, just stand, let's just stand and let's just worship the Lord with Ray Bolts as he sings this song. And as he sings this song, I'm going to make this our benediction. As he sings this song, would you just examine your heart this morning? And would you say, Lord, can I be that man? Can I be that woman? Can I honor you in my life this way in Jesus' name?
1: Heard these angels singing, and someone called for me. We turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, Friend, you may not know me now. And he said, Wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was old every week you would say a prayer before the class would start one day when you said that prayer i asked jesus in my heart man stick before you You said remember the time A missionary came to your church His pictures made you cry You didn't have much money But you gave it anyway Jesus took the gift you gave And that's why I'm in heaven today By one day came far as your eyes could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices you made, they were unnoticed on this. I know up in heaven You're not supposed to cry I'm almost sure There were tears in your eyes As Jesus took your hand And you stood before the Lord He said, my child
0: come before you now in jesus name and we ask you lord that this song and this message would be deeply ingrained in our life and lord that we could also call that out in us and we would say that we can remember those that gave to us and and lord more importantly that we can also be those that give to others so god i pray that this would be a a a tune that would stick in our head all day long and that lord it would be a message that would change us to be honoring to each other honoring to you. We love you, Jesus. Go with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.